Hi, this is Dr. Tony Ebel from the Pediatric Experience and Premier Wellness Care Chiropractic, and you are listening to the Neuro Noodle Network Podcast. Thank you all for joining Neuro Noodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast, featuring our neuropsychologists, Dr. Laura Janssens and Dr. Skip Wren. They've been practicing for over 50 years and are happy to share their knowledge with you. You can find Dr. Laura at Janssens.com, that's J-A-N-S-O-N-S.com. And Dr. Skip can be found at drskiprin.com. That's drskiprin.com. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the word out. My name is Pete, and today we're going to chat with Dr. Tony Ebel from the Pediatric Experience and Premier Wellness Care Chiropractic. Dr. Tony, thanks for joining us today. Ah, thank you guys for having us. And any chance I get to talk about helping kids and intertwining that with nerding out about the brain and neurology? It's a great day for me. Oh, man. Well, this is going to be a great podcast. Tara, uh, one of my cohorts from a past life, hooked us up and said you'd be a great guest to have on. And here we are, Dr. Tony. Yeah, we've, you- we've been blessed to, uh, to know her for quite a few years. Um, her and I are both raging bulls, as you know. Our, our brains yeah, yeah. go fast. So we, we met at CrossFit. Um, Speaking of a previous life, um, and uh, yeah, and then had the fortune to uh, help out her and her family, and she just fell in love with the science behind what we do and got us connected. So I'm I'm glad your guys' brains survived the corporate life to uh, to be here and helping other kids. Well, who says they did? <laughs> Doctor Tony, tell us about the uh, pediatric experience. Uh, what what is that all about? Yeah, so the pediatric experience um, literally launched just last year, just ahead of obviously the pandemic and the shutdown and all that. It is, it's an online membership. It's an online training platform for other pediatric chiropractors, um, really born out of the other main thing we do here outside of Chicago, our our practice, PwC, um, because within that practice over the last 13 years, we really ended up falling in love with first the neurology, of what we call the perfect storm, how kids end up down this path of autism and sensory and ADHD and everything in between. And, and we really developed these, first a scientific understanding, actually I would actually start with an empathetic understanding, just connection to these parents who were on their last hope card looking for care for this, then intertwined the science and the brain and the understanding. And um, they created clinical, I don't love the word protocols, um, you know, because it's, it's not a, but a care program for these kiddos with chiropractic. And um, long story short, once we saw what we kept seeing every single day, um, we could not keep that to Crystal Lake. So I became obsessed with learning how to train and teach this work to other chiropractors. And um, it's caught fire. We went from zero to, as of today, just one year in, we have 510 practitioners um, that are all over the country. And growing fast, ready to, to put this work out for kids. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. And tell us about T, uh, Premier Wellness Care, PwC. Yeah, you know, we started, um, I, I think probably the, the best way to carve out where it lands on this amazing podcast is, you know, I graduated in 07. I, chiropractic is a unique history and my my practice history followed it. And I'll, I'll tell it in a quick 30 seconds. Chiropractic was always about the nervous system. Uh, I'm a good Iowa boy. I'm a farm boy. So get ready for some farmer analogies today too. Um, But uh, it was about the nervous system. It was about removing stress 
from the nervous system, removing interference so that the brain and the body could connect. And if you read, if you read the writings from 1895, still 95% of practitioners in neurology don't know it, but it was right. You know, it, it, it was absolutely accurate. But the short of the challenge with chiropractic is then about the 80s and 90s, insurance companies started to pay them to take care of back pain, neck pain, and spinal dysfunctions, right? So that's where in our generation, chiropractic is veered. I don't necessarily that it's off course, but it's lost its roots, right, of neurology. So PwC, I graduated, going to be the general regular wellness, back pain, neck pain, sports injuries, chiro. And that's a good thing. That, that helps people with those problems. But I just always knew there was more. I kind of had this like unfulfilled fire within me. And um, that's where God led me to pediatrics. The birth of our first baby um, was perfect and wonderful, was not the perfect storm. And I fell in love with that. Started getting my, dip, my certification and diplomate in pediatrics. And it'll sound nuts today, but 13 years ago, autism wasn't really a big deal. If you said sensory processing to 100 people, 100 probably didn't know. And I studied the science of it between what we call subluxation and chiropractic. So where the spine really links up, specifically upper cervical, vagus nerve, brainstem. And when I put it together and realized it wasn't really genetics, that undergrad had told me, and it wasn't really only toxins that all my holistic hippie friends, <laughs> I love them, had told me, but it was emotional trauma, birth trauma, physical constraint at birth that wreaked havoc on the brainstem. So that's PwC. 40, about 30 to 40% of our patients are spectrum seizures, ADHD, perfect storm. And then we also open it up and care for their little brother, their older sister, their mother. And occasionally we let a dad in. It's like once a month that we, we let that happen. Now, perfect storm. What is a perfect storm? So it's the, the sequence, and, and that's my favorite word and, and, and involves my questions for the docs here as to when we can best sequence neurofeedback into helping these kids. Um, but as a chiropractor, you're obsessed with cause. We're, I always like to joke, we're the annoying toddler that just keeps asking why. You know, uh, the baby's up at night, oh, their stomach hurts. Why is their stomach hurt? You know, um, so you just keep digging till you get to that real root cause. So I was taking case histories. I, I dove head first into supporting kids with autism. My first patients were honestly 17, 18, 19, young adults whose families were aging, child was aging, anxiety had taken over their life, the aging out of support, right, from the state, and families were calling us in chiropractic for the last resort. And even digging 19 years into their case history, about 60% of the time, still today, it's actually more with COVID, um, we find stress in the pregnancy. So there was some abnormal finding. There was some fear. There was some anxiety that was instilled in that mom. A lot of times, accurate, real reasons, medical challenges. Other times, yeah. Um, and then the real big one in the perfect storm, birth trauma. Still today, about 85, 90% of the case histories I take in these kiddos and have trained all these other chiropractors to do is um, forceps, vacuum. Uh, cord wrapped, emergency C-section. So physical trauma to the brainstem wreaks havoc on the cerebellum, amygdala, and we can go on with that today, but it was right there. And it was just sticking out of the paperwork. And I'm like, how is nobody, how did they not teach me this in school or somewhere? And, and so we've never shut up about it since then. So we created a clinical chiropractic assessment to find that subluxation and storm. And so, so the perfect storm just became the name 
of a workshop, honestly, that I've always educated my community around um, that then says, hey, it's not one thing and it's it's this sequence of things. Dr. Skip, Dr. Laura. Yeah, Dr. how do Cohen? I sign up? How do I sign <laughs> up? I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Uh, but uh, seriously, with your with your online training, is that only for chiropractors? It is, and that's that's phase one's uh, okay. phase one plan of it. And the whole idea we're building out now, which is why I'm just so blessed and thankful to be on this, is um, we're not saying that with our practice locally. Um, I ran a whole integrated practice for many years. I, I brought it all in, did it all. And then was like halfway good at all of it <laughs> instead of great at one of it. So we built a network of, of professionals here in McHenry County and Lake County that we refer to, including neurofeedback. So we want to do that with this PX, we call it PX Docs. We want to bring in docs of other expertise options to help support these families. Not quite ready for it yet, buddy, man, but we're, okay. we're getting yeah, there. I mean, we're the information there. is it, it, invaluable. Um, I know uh, Laura and I were trained to consider these things too. And, you know, the DSM is what it is. Autism is a, is a you know, bunch of letters in a book on uh, observable behaviors and, you know, just the nature of diagnosing and labeling, it takes on a meaning of its own. Right. And we were trained, Hey, let's look at cerebellum. Let's look at brainstem. Let's see what's going on here. And also let's consider things like nuchal cord presentation that is supposedly common, but it's more common in kids we see. And then stress, birth trauma, uh, other other kind of hypoxic events, right? Those kids come in and you ask about those those issues and they're often present. And then the kids having, you know, troubles A through Z that correspond with dysfunction in those areas, right? So we were taught to put that stuff together and then we get labeled or whatever yeah. um, that, Hey, I, like, I don't diagnose autism. That guy won't, that guy doesn't believe in autism. It's like, eh, not really true. It's just, let's look at where it's coming from central nervous system wise. Like what's, what's, what's driving this. So 100%, 100%. yeah, that's a big synonymous with us. We um, you know, we will speak in the language of diagnoses because it's the language parents understand. Right. And sure. can go through it, but it's also our least, favorite language to speak because we're really looking inside that autonomic central nervous system function and looking to find and looking to measure the dysfunction and then obviously put an action plan to restore rebalance and rehabilitate it through that so in in one child that looks like and it, it kind of fits those letters and another child that fits that subtype and you know 10 years ago everybody had one by the time they got to me and 80 percent of our patients were on meds already What's exciting about today, right? Um, where it's less, it's 20% that are actually um, on medications, have a diagnosis. Like parents okay. are really getting on these podcasts, getting online and getting in action faster, which is, as we know, with neuroplasticity, that's everything, you know, the more upstream we can get with this. Uh, Tony, so what does a session look like with you? So if we, we refer somebody up to you uh, or down the road, you're not that, right. uh, what, what uh, can the clients expect when they come see you? Yeah. So the first thing starts off with, you know, again, I, we got to, we got to level up the chiropractic assessment. So it's 2021. So we're very rooted in technology because the short of the science storm and you guys will love it. It's, it starts with that dyskinesia, right? So the movement, it's a motor planning problem first, and then that triggers this disaffrontation. So that's, that's really subluxation. Chiropractors forever said subluxation, pinched nerve, efferent, outgoing problem. And I remember sitting in school going, ah, yeah, I don't think so. You know, it got me a little more than that. Like, how have we been around 100 years and haven't figured this out? It's a sensory problem. 
it's an input distortion. And so, especially up top, it really wreaks havoc on that disapparentation. You get proprioception going down, nociception going up, cerebellum reads it, sends it to the amygdala, and the storm ensues, right? Dysautonomia and, and, and all the way through. So from that element, we've got to find that. And what I've always found is a challenge is that your standard neurologist seems to think that the brain stops at the frame of magnet, you know? And so they're looking for a brain-based disorder, but they don't look south, they only look north. And so we start there, Laura. So we use what's called an insight scanning technology. It's thermography, which has been around for a long time in chiropractic to measure dysautonomia. And then we use EMG, very close cousin, obviously, to EEG, EKG. EMG specifically for neurostorm kids, because it really lives in their neuromotor system. You have their therapist will find their hypotonicity, but you're only going to end up with hypotonicity if you first have hyper bottling it up somewhere. So the EMGs are really crucial for our sensory and storm kids. And then in the last five years, thanks to, to my mentor, who'd be a great guy for you guys to jam with, Dr. David Fletcher out of uh, Toronto, who runs the technology that we use, HRV. So heart rate variability to really, really assess um, where that child is in terms of their reserve capacity. That HRV is a real big leading indicator as to how exhausted the child's autonomics are. And therefore it really helps us put together that plan. So the first assessment is consultation, deep dive into that parent and that child's real storm, not general. What did your kid go through? What did they not? And we start to assess and quantify there, but then that's not, then we do the exam. We do the scans, we do the physical exam and we really locate that subluxation. And my favorite thing with my nerd brain, quantify it. Because then from there, I get to put together a care plan and time and frequency, it's neuroplasticity. So what most chiropractors miss when taking care of kids, especially in this conversation, it's not some magical technique. It's the care plan. They just aren't seeing them enough. They're acting like it's 1978 and the kid just fell off the bail rack. It's a lot more than that. So usually most kids with chiropractic are just under cared for, not necessarily that there's some new magical technique that needs to be created. With kind of what it looks like, some kids that are diagnosed autism have a pretty hard time with just, you know, uh, mid-century interaction, right? Like, don't touch them. How does it generally work? Are kids receptive to this? Yeah, I'm assuming there's anomalies and kids, you know, are like, hey, don't touch me. Uh, how do you manage that? I'm just curious. Oh, phenomenal question. Number one question we get after our workshops where folks are like, hey, sounds good. Good luck. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, and we all are used to that in the world, right? So. Yeah. That, that's where part of it with the technology, you know, chiropractic is done by hand. Our hands are our sensors too. So in the toughest case of scenario, well, we never don't get a scan. And, and here's why. We've worked with that company. Dr. Fletcher is a godsend to us. We've modified this technology that's been around in chiropractic and it's all Bluetooth and it's all wireless. So we could be on the move with this child now. And they can be, they can be um, doing what they need to, to find their calm, to find their safe place while with mom, sometimes with technology, not our favorite, but right, if we're getting the scan, we're getting the scan. And so everything is mobile. And even honestly, we can take it. And the whole clinic is designed to be sensory inviting and open. Um, and we're just kind of the, the unmedical practice, you know, um, in, in, in design and in humanality and all the other different stuff. So what's really cool, I'll, I'll finish that in story form. 
We just are wrapping up with our first ever two week perfect storm intensives. Kids coming from out of state, two adjustments a day, scans every other day. And classic two-year-old, um, again, awesomely not diagnosed yet, but that's what we're this, this kid is just, you know, has all these challenges. After his second adjustment, um, had his big contractor dad in tears, because after his second adjustment to calm that storm up top, he literally melted into my arms, reached out, gave me a big old hug. Most of our meltdowns after just one or two visits happen when they're having to leave. <laughs> now it's, it's on that side of the door. Not necessarily everybody thinks it's going to happen on the way in. Yeah, yeah. And long answer from me. That's my nature. But yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, there's science to it. There's technology to it. And then there's just God crafted us for it. Hey, and just so you know, you're in really good company. That was a short answer to Laura and I. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Ask Pete. Just ask Pete. Oh, so so much <laughs> editing. That's great. So, hey, Tony, so um, sounds like you have a you know, great assessment uh, uh, protocol there, procedure. How does the, the scans that you do correlate with QEEGs? Do you use QEEGs? How, how does that work in your practice or what's your experience with that? That's where I'm so excited to hang here and learn more. Started today and keep it going. We just got connected with you guys. Um, I was talking to Pete about that ahead of time before everything shut down. So I remember everything with Neuro Noodle being dropped off and my nerd brain's looking at it going, oh, let's go, let's go to lunch, let's do this. And then you can't go to lunch for a year. Um, you know, so uh, I started, this is, when I got started, the other thing I figured out is that this, this storm, this disafferent, dysautonomic storm, and the farmer words, right, going from south to north, through the spinal cord, brainstem, cerebellum, bottom up, back forward, um, then is wreaking havoc on the hemisphericity, prefrontal cortex, you know, there. And then my son's story was the second year, right after I had just put together the perfect storm, started doing the workshop, started caring for teenagers with it. Oliver had his birth trauma and his EEGs were a mess. So birth suppression, I mean, we could go on and on. So I fell in love with EEG studies as that married up to the EMG that I had always known in my world. And um, 10, 11 years ago, there was a company that would then come do ambulatory EEGs for our patients. And I created a, so any, any perfect storm patient that was a necessary aspect for me. I wanted, again, heavy, right? A 24 to 48 hour ambulatory EEG. And I was never, still don't, same as you know, not looking for seizures, not looking to pathologize the problem. I'm looking to quantify it, locate it, track it, so we can annihilate it. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's really what it was. So, we get, so I have a lot to learn yet. And, and that would be um, our questions our favorite thing to do if we really nerded out would be to add that assessment to our process and then be able to track changes. And if we really flesh it all the way out, um, at the end of the day, we all know without any of a doubt, I'm a big and person instead of or. I think we live in, oh, this can help or that. It's just and is better, you know, um, to it and, and that sequencing. But I'd really like to track the changes and say, okay, well, if we just did the adjustments, if we just did neurofeedback, if we just did nutrition, here's what we're seeing in the brain. Those are good things. But I know the best things we're going to see is when we sequence and parlay these things together. Um, I think that's the next couple of years that all of us really need to work on is um, put our camps together and put our assessments together and our care protocols together. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because... Uh... 
you know, those, those who are following the podcast, you know, we had uh, Bob Thatcher on a while ago, and he's a gentleman, the doctor who um, developed the database to compare the brain maps, you know, against, you know, considered a, a normal population. And we've done, he, he did a lot of uh, cortical um, databases, which are fantastic and in brain injury and things like that. But recently within that last year, under a year, uh, uh, is able to um, get data and scan the cerebellum and a lot of the deep cortical areas. So yeah, you can get an amygdala scan, you can get a cerebellum and you can kind of get deep into that, perform the neurofeedback in those areas, which is phenomenal. And, you know, prior to, you know, this kind of technology, they were doing, you know, one channel train, which is fine. We talked about that last week that, yeah, we love doing one channel uh, trainings and and helping people in that way. But in in order to, um, you know, help with the diagnostics. And like you said, trying to track changes and befores and afters, uh, the cube has a lot of, um, you know, potential for, for uh, helping those kind of people. Well, that's interesting because um, that's, that's where I landed coming into this. When I, when I was building up this full integrate, and again, this is a fair amount of time ago, you can see what well, the podcast people can't, the beard, the, you know, the gray in my beard. Um, but uh, it was not, I, I'm just going to speak, and this is where you guys are, and this is where I want to go. It just didn't get deep to me. It just didn't seem potent enough, right? It was like, okay, you're barking up the right tree, but you're not getting to the trunk. You're not getting to the roots. Like these subluxations, this stress, same word, right? Interchangeable, that distress on the on the brain and nervous system. It, it Yeah, it's up here, but you got to get to it down here, you know? And and so if you're not getting to it down there, I, I wasn't interested, right? You know? Um, and that's always the battle within chiropractic too, because we have our functional neurology side of chiropractic right? Um, the Dr. Carrick's and, and those components of it, and Dr. Melillo's. And what will happen and where I want to kind of help our profession is sometimes you go so high up, then you abandon what worked down below, you know? And, and it's like, they, they add all these other features. And then it's like, did you adjust him too? And they're like, ah, oh, I forgot about that part. <laughs> and, and it's like, come on, you know, like there's got to be a sequence. We yeah. can We're going to hook you up with a textbook uh, by our uh, mentor, Len Koziel, Subcortical Structures and Cognitions, uh, Cognition Implications for Neuropsychological Assessment. So uh, Dr. Koziel was, was a big guy in subcortical structures and um, yeah, that, that was his mantra. So yeah, we, we've learned everything. Uh, we had to un- unlearn all, all our training up until we met him. He's, he was a bottom up, bottom up guy yeah. right from the beginning. He's like, yeah, yeah. everything you learned is uh, bullshit, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, that's that's what would happen. I would go to all these places and it's like, well, you guys are standing on third base and you, a kid's not going to get here. You know, you have to get them in the batter's box, then first, then second. So and, and that's even for adjusting too. Um, these kids, you have to adjust at the right spot and not the right, not the wrong spot. And at the right dosage, again, not my favorite word, but like we, what we figured out with our protocols is how to do a lot, what I call a lot and a little at the same time, you know, so that you can really recalibrate that system without overwhelming it and without putting it into what we kind of call a a neuro detox. You know, some of that has to happen as these kids heal, but um, yeah, there's again, sequence. It's my favorite word, right? So I think if we had a better understanding, if we incorporated that into our work, we could get an even more advanced sequence of it. Tony, I had a quick question answered up to you, right? I'm certainly not trying to reduce what you guys are, are doing to this, but as you're talking, I'm thinking of integration or the retention of, of reflexes through early development. And there's folks that do integrative therapies for 
reflexes that might be retained as opposed to integrated. So can you just speak to that? I know it's a wide net question, but. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, it's a wide net question, but my, but my farmer brain, see, God blessed me with a brain that goes nuts, but then goes simple. You know, I, I just, I literally say prayers. Thank, thank you for that every single day. Right. Like I can, I can see it in real simple construct, which is why I think we've been able to help more families because they got to hear it in their language too. Right. And, um, and, and be able to bring it down. So what, when I first started Skip, I had an entire protocol where kids would get a job because this is what I was taught. This is what my mentors taught me. It was adjust them twice a week. There was a big biomedical component, right? Hair, stool, blood, you know, figure out all those components, especially if it's in the case history. And then there was a huge neurointegration, primitive reflex abatement component. So I built an entire sensory PR uh, gym into my practice. And so it would just be this, this, this sequence of care that was there. And honestly, what I realized the mistake that we made back then was kind of twofold. It's one thing split into two parts. And that is we were backing off of the frequency of adjusting to make room for X, Y, and Z, right? In the kids' families, let's just be honest in all of it, right? Schedule, budget, you name it. It's just how it is, right? When you build these programs out. And then we were working on um, the, the reflexes, the visual, and the vestibular. Right. So we brought all that to the table at the same time. I had an OT on staff who did this work for me. And then I focused on the assessments and the adjustments and the rest. Um, What I found is that we kept hitting plateaus. We would get to work on these primitive reflexes and we'd see some lessening. We'd see some movement and then we'd see stuckedness. And about two to three months into care, following the typical what we call care plan that I was taught to do, parents were happy they were coming out of the storm. There was some calm, but then it was like, you just hit a stuck point. So I I dug backwards into the science behind it. And, and in very simple construct, if you retain that sympathetic storm and you never surge and activate the parasympathetics retained reflexes to me are coming from retained sympathetics. So what we did is we completely swung the pendulum to adjusting these kids every single day and going after that sympathetic roots even more. And what's great, and it's, I'm just being honest, it's pretty controversial even in our profession. I hardly have to pick up a little paintbrush anymore and deal with primitive reflexes. Um, we obliterate that sympathetic basis and keep at, and then we don't, the other thing that people still don't do enough within chiropractic care plans, they back off too soon. Results are happy, hey, things are good, things are lessening, you're falling, they're, they're treating symptoms instead of functions. And so that you get improvement in the kid's function or life and you back off right when you just got momentum. And then you let that rehabituation of the storm kick back in because that's what the child knew primarily, right? It's locked into the deeper roots of the brain. So if you don't keep going, it comes back. So yeah, primitive reflexes used to be a big thing, Dr. Skip. And now in our clinic, they're not. Now I watch them like a hawk though. I watch vision, I watch vestibular, I watch, re- and if, if we're not getting those things to fade, then we work, then I'm sending them out for OT. We have a couple of specialists who work on that. And it's like, uh, maybe some MNRI, whatever it may be, like, find this, work with us to take care of that. And, and just for folks listening that might not know, and Laura, you can certainly jump in. I remember you doing a presentation in, uh, at Fielding, but the idea is that we have these reflexes, the plan is through development that they become integrated, meaning they kind of blend in or we work our way out of them. They're there for reasons. And if you 
keep them, it can lead to problems. And so that's why we ask questions like, hey, did you crawl? Um, did you go right from sitting to walking? Because crawling actually, and I mean crawling, crawling, not the army crawl, helps like unhook un and also move to the next level of, hey, when I move my right arm, my left leg goes so I can walk and keep balance and all that good stuff. And I remember something that st stood out in uh, working with Len, Laura, is he, he had worked with a kid that was having all kinds of behavioral issues in school. He was diagnosed autistic too. But when he would turn around, his arms would swing because he had retained a reflex, right? And it wasn't integrated. And so like kids are getting all freaked out because he's in line bumping into kids and he's, he has no, you know, perceptual awareness was the term air quotes here, right? But he wasn't in integrated, right? So he turns his arm and smack the kid in the head and then, you know, getting fights and all kinds of stuff. But so that's, that's what we're talking about for folks that didn't know, but it is a big deal. And thanks for your answer. That's fantastic. You're getting after I, it that I, way. I loved on how many of the other episodes I was listening. I love how much you guys use air quotes on this. Like, <laughs> it's, it's exactly, that's me. I struggle with podcasts because I'm like, but they can't see my hands and my air quotes and all the yeah. I'm doing. Like, I don't think it's going to come across. Feel free to take that, borrow that. Yeah. So two out of the three listeners are moms. What are the most common, I know you guys hate diagnoses, but that's what moms know. What are the most common ones that come to your practice, uh, uh, Dr. Tony? And then like how many sessions a week for it? Yep. But, you know, because for like us, uh, ADHD, it's generally two sessions a week, 10 week, a scan before, middle and after. Yeah, give a mom a, an idea of what it's like. Give, give us a common diagnosis and what's the general treatment and length of time. You bet. The, the three leading ones for us are um, autism. That's all, you know, they, they, they've received the diagnosis, so they're on, they're on the borderline of it. And then sensory, which is the root of it. And then ADHD, which sensory is the root of it. You know, so it's sensory, right. it's ADHD, and it's autism spectrum. Um, where the perfect storm stuff is found most commonly through rockstar moms searching sensory, searching autism. Um, those are our lead horses that are there. Even, even a little bit more for our clinic, more so than ADH, ADHD, um, which is me. And, uh, and, and that component of it, right? So uh, the, that is a big part of finding that assessment. So the diagnosis gets the conversation started. You're exactly right, Pete. And then from there, once we've started, that moves off to the side and it's all about that functional assessment. It's all about those inside scans and our evaluation. And again, I'm just a hyperspeed raging bull. We, we've, Skip, you'll love this. And look, we've, I took the DSM and I just made it into a sticky note. There is uh, raging bulls and drunken bulls. And then there's the third type is both, right? So you, you either have, that, that's what we see. And a child with autism tends to be the one where they have both. Right, the raging bull, the stimming, the hyperactivity leads the way. You got to calm the storm to then reintegrate and coordinate that storm. Um, so the scans really, really, really start everything for us. And what we're looking for is severity. There's about three levels of perfect storm patients, um, sensory spectrum. The toughest of cases, the TBI brain injury cases like Levi and others that, that we're blessed to serve right now. We will literally adjust them twice a day for the first two weeks. But again, that, that can be scary to families. They're like, that's a lot. Chiropractic adjustments are a lot and a little at the same time. They take a matter of minutes to seconds, um, which is one of the good things um, with that for the, the schedule part of things and integrating with other awesome therapies. 
the regular perfect storm patients, um, child struggling in school, struggling with sleep and transitions and emotions, we will start at three times a week, three adjustments a week for anywhere between three to four months. And then that can be staged to two times a week once we see the scans start to calm and stabilize. And we really, we like to say our scans dictate plans. We're tracking symptoms. We, we are heart to heart, family to family with these. We want life better. Um, at, by all means at the end, but we're really not tracking symptoms near as much as we're tracking changes. Because for a lot of kiddos, especially the older ones, you'll see the scans start to give you a heads up that things are improving before necessarily the symptoms because they're just so ingrained in that expressive nature for these kiddos. So, so, we, every, so every month, every two to four weeks, every 12 adjustments, a new set of scans are performed to make sure, and we sit down and report the findings and we go through and say, here's where we were, here's where we are, we're making progress, stay the course. And that's where a lot of times if something else needs to come in, it's at those transition points where we can say, hey, this is awesome. Your child's now ready to add this and we expected to see another boost forward. Another query, it's just a clarification maybe. And I think, and, and you're doing it, I think a fine job doing this, but just to make it really explicit, uh, our profession is plagued by preconceptions on what we do. You know what I mean? Like I go to a party and everybody's like, oh, you're doing, I'm like, dude, I'm at a party. That's it. Like I'm not working. I stopped working at five. With you guys, I think one of, uh, chiropractors, sorry, uh, th- that, you know, these, these adjustments are crack them up pro wrestling moves and all that stuff. Can you just speak to that? Cause we're talking about infants, but I've had my own, you know, chiropractic experience and that's not how it goes. It's not that nobody's jumping on my back. Yeah. Yeah. Don't parents, moms, listen, don't, don't go from this to YouTube. Okay. Right. Um, not allowed to go search for the old ring dinger. I shouldn't even have said it um, on YouTube, <laughs> right? Cause the amygdala is going to be like, I got to see what that is. No, it's not. Um, especially for it's back to our approach with neuroplasticity of less is more. The more highly wound and tense that child's nervous system is, the less you want to do to release it. You cannot release it all at once. And then at the same time, there is an element of releasing that tension. One of the other things that is this sweet spot we got to find, Skip, with adjustments is we have to get that motor system back in motion and moving. But no, the adjustments look like you're checking an avocado for ripeness. And, and that 99% of times we get done with our first couple of sessions and parents are like, that's it. You're done. I, I thought you were going to do more. You know, they're, they're expecting that YouTube sort of sports injury sort of adjustment. Um, just a similar world, but a vastly different world for sure. So yes, thank you for asking that, Skip, because it's it's definitely something I think that holds parents back. The, the science will make sense. They'll hear some great stories from other families. They've exhausted medications and traditional therapies, and they just know that there's something more, but maybe there's that fear and anxiety and misconception with chiropractic. Yeah. Oh yeah. We should let's, Hey, we're all, well, you're all, you're there. Let's go to a party together. And then I'll probably be a bigger weirdo than even you. And you'll just get to slide right in and hang out. It'll be so easy for you. It'd be great. We'll just talk about this all day. So we'll probably have the, uh, the corner of the room to ourselves. You know what I mean? I, everybody else, I, everybody else stay away. I only go to parties with folks like us, if I'm being honest. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty. So Laura, I live out on a farm in Bull Valley. We throw great farm parties. Where oh, we great. talk about brain injuries all the time. And then we have goat yoga to calm it down. So we're good. Goat yoga? Okay. That's fantastic. You guys do any camping out there? No, I'm a pansy. 
I am not. No, no. I, uh, if there was a five-star hotel, I would do that version of camping, but no, I, well, see, that's, that's what I've picked up during the pandemic, uh, camping. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I guess we can call it glamping because I have a travel trailer. Okay. So I'm, I'm actually, whatever, I'm kind of opening up a, a new conversation here, but I'm thinking about how to get people out into nature and out into, you know, we talk about mindfulness and being yeah. present and, and this kind of stuff. And, and how can we, you know, combine being out in the outdoors with helping people? We're talking about a lot of technology, so we need a lot of outlets to plug in all this stuff. I think there's, a, you know, another dimension out there. And so when you're talking about living on, being out on a farm, um, you know, I've had some patients go to equestrian therapies and things like that. So yeah. um, there's a lot of advantage to kind of being out by you. Oh, when you come out, we will, and, and we connect, we will also take you over to what's called Dream Riders. Um, which is an equestrian therapy. And what's really great about them is they've even kept going. A lot of those amazing equine therapy centers won't necessarily start a child till they're four, five, six, and their motor systems on board. Well, that's, that's where a lot of these challenges start. That kid's got to get there earlier, just like chiropractors who won't adjust until maybe whatever age, right? And so Beth and the crew out here are amazing. So actually we, we do a lot of work like these perfect storm intensives the two drunken bulls whose motor system is so exhausted, we have them on the horse. We have them doing play therapy. We have them outside because um, you, you have the joy elements. You have the movement elements. You have all that. This is, this is totally for this. I, God gave us this farm and we fell in love with it. I've got a brain that runs hot. I love what I do. And I go full speed into it. So I've learned that my adjustments, my yoga, my nutrition, and my nature elements have to be there to then reset right? And recalibrate and go to it. Even to the office I'm in. I mean, it's my, one of my favorite books is Willpower Doesn't Work by uh, Benjamin Hardy, right? With, with environment. My office is not in the main house. We've made in a, this is before COVID made it cool to have a home office. And um, it's because when I'm over here, it's just 20 steps, but my brain's here and I'm helping other kids and I'm doing this sort of stuff. And then when I go over there, my brain's not here anymore. You know, it's it's over there with the family and I can take a break and go walk. So I agree. I think we should keep exploring that a little harder in Palatine. You guys, you don't have. So that, that's, that, yeah, I'm thinking ahead up north by you. Yep. Um, so you're, you're actually talking about developing a, a writing electronic writing bowl for uh, two and three year olds. This is I'm in. Let's do this. And not only that, I've got an engineer father-in-law who has a manufacturing company out here who builds machines for Tesla and uh, and uh, Caterpillar and John Deere. So we just manufacture right in our backyard. This okay. uh, raging. Okay, we got our weekend planned. Dr. Tony, high school football just started back up again. You know, before this all got going, we we're gonna you know get brain scans before the season of these kids. So if something happens, you have a baseline to compare it to because you know how, how do you know if the, the kid's right or not to go yeah. back on the field how, how will that affect the clients that come in uh the adolescents uh, do you get a pickup when you know with, with, the, with the kids that play sports yeah it's it's a dance you know as as you guys know well it's it, it, parents always ask us that especially from the physical component of it right we we've always loved for our hockey football really pretty much all athletes goodness soccer with the neck um, we, we would add the e, so add the QEG to the EMG of the cervical spine, you know, because if you don't, if you have this built up tension in the neck, 
the brain's going to take much more of the force than it needs to because the neck doesn't have the pliability to help support the cerebellum. So they're, they're all interlinked. So that's a big thing we use, Pete, is pre and post season scans. So we'll say, hey, so when parents ask, should he or should he not, or should she or should she not, my answer always, straight nerd, is let's get a scan and find out. You know, let's, let's, let's assess where they are, which will give us a real life, your child's specific, you know, functionality and risk. And then we track that through the season as well to, to really tell where they are. So I really think HRV, EMG, EEG is a huge part that that world needs to really incorporate. The, the balancing act, I want kids active. We want them moving. We want them social. We want them, you know, engaged in all those sort of things. So we're not generally just, uh, I'm not this way with anything all in or all out it's very much on an individual basis as to what that kid needs with just what you said there tony um you know movement is key and and uh, you know we, we we i think understand that and believe in that too uh we've been talking about the autism diagnosis but what about other kids that come in to see i'm imagining that might be you know the drunken bull to use your your language there that might not be as active or might be apathetic even something yeah. that laura and i were learned uh, taught to distinguish right there's there's yeah. apathy which is a thing you know it's not depression it's just apathy so yeah. what's your approach i guess is is my question right yeah love it love it dude oh man it was a big thing before this last year and now oh like so so what we always see is that and again this is so generalizing which is not my favorite thing to do but it starts I used to not really see those elements of, we, we would say neural exhaustion that then can lead the apathy, which then could go down the road to depression and all these other, those diagnoses down the road. I never saw that until junior high, high school. I, I'm, I'm seeing five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds now in these last couple of years with apathy and with exhaustion and with that level of lowness, right? And I honestly feel, and that's a great question. I feel like, what we do with the perfect storm, it's really much picking up the conversation of the impulsive, the stimming, the, the raging bull and missing the drunken bull. And I've got to do, we've got to do a better job of serving those kids first with our message because they might be, they're all our favorites. But when you see a kiddo whose life has just hit that low level, come alive, ah. Oh! Like, uh, it's just like, you know, that's like, that's the, that's what the world, this is what, it's not just great for that kiddo, but it's amazing for everybody around them. Like that's, and the parents are obviously the most elated because it's like, that's our kiddo. That's who we want everybody to see. That's what we know. So the approach there is, is slightly different with the adjustments. When that system is shut down, the raging bull kid, you can't do a lot. You got to be real light, real specific. And that the drunken bull kid, you can, you can do some. You you can you can get that system going and, and get it activated and, and get it happening. And man, do they come alive. So that teenage middle school, it's a real passion of ours going forward in the next couple of years. And that was before obviously all these challenges, you know, layered that in um, more so. So yeah, I, I agree. The apathy. And we find that what I love about the scans, and I, I'd imagine you guys have the exact same thing. The last thing we need are symptoms or a diagnosis to find a right. challenge. Yeah. Um, so we have a big component of our practice is wellness, you know, and that's, those are our favorite patients. The one I got my expect miracle shirt on the silent miracles are the best, you know, never let that kid go into the storm. Yeah. We, I say we, I don't mean to speak for you, Laura or Pete, but 
in general, I think the, the kids that get the attention and I'm not trying to, you know, throw anybody under a bus or anything. It's just the nature of things are the ones that are more active or, or dysfunctional, you know, to borrow a term and, and the kids that are quiet and maybe just not engaging in things like, Hey, we'll get to you when we can. Cause we're trying to put out this fire up here. That's just how it works. Um, but w- with all that said, we've had folks on here and, and we've had conversations just amongst ourselves too, that within the last year and the impact of COVID on mental health, I think we're probably going to see some effects for a while here. And then also what's been going on is the introdu- introduction and, and just prevalence of devices and competing with the effects of those devices. I got a phone three inches from me. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm above it. The, the, the impact on that neurologically is, is a challenge too. And so those are, you know, just more things to consider, I guess, is what I'm really trying to say, but those are real effects and, and the, the social hit of COVID's had some pretty big impacts. We're social creatures, you know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody here is in a different room looking at somebody on a computer screen, you know, it's the next best thing, but it's not the same thing, no. right? Yeah, no. been doing school like that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Chiropractic used to talk about, you know, forever. They wrote it out as the three T's: traumas, toxins, thoughts. That's the perfect storm, you know. In 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 those things, well, there's four T's now. You know, you can definitely put technology in, you know, used in those ways, in in excessive ways. You can kind of add to it. So my nature on that is same with social media. You know, a lot of a lot of folks in my camp are like, ah. Oh, down with it all. And I'm all, and we, God just drove us to use whatever we have in front of us for good. So we use technology, we use social media to reach moms, right? And we're even looking at HRV um, with that. I, what my dream is, and Dr. Fletcher too, the technology, our dream is to add, I, I love kid, right? It, 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 it gets to my brain one way. I'm like, I'm not being good, but I am being good. Where are my Garmin, you know? I love it because it's got HRV and pulse tox. It's why I chose this one. And it gives me my body battery and my stress. So I know based upon how I'm taking care of myself, whether I can go do a hard workout or whether I need to rest. You know, I'm using technology at all times to make my life better. So I guess what we've made our mental decision to do is it's here. It's not going away. It's going to be even more for our kids. How can we leverage it for their well-being? How can we say, all right, well, it's right there on your phone. You can measure your own HRV. You can measure your own autonomic function. You could set up these alerts and these apps and these sort of things that say, hey, you crossed the line. You're entering raging bull territory. You know, like uh, just just go for a walk. Get on the horse, you know, go to yoga, uh, get adjusted, all these different things. And I, I actually don't think it's too complicated, really. Right. You know, once we kind of whiteboard it out and then give it to some nerds to build on an app and an <laughs> and I married into a family of them. So I'm sad. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So um, yeah, I had that question of you. So you use HRV in a diagnostic way. And, and so you're, you have some kind of technology that uh, is able to measure that with people and follow and track it. And, and that's kind of compelling me on, on the training side is, yeah, we use HRV all the time to train people to to raise that adaptability. Yeah, a few sessions of that, a couple months of that is fabulous in getting people more, you know, able to adapt to things. And and so, yeah, we're, we're kind of going at things from from different angles, but going, going toward the same, oh. same end. Yeah. Oh, we so are. Yeah, there's a study, one of the featured studies in our Perfect Storm Workshop, and I'll share it with you guys. 
um, when we get done. It's done by a bunch of OTs and PTs, I think, out of Utah. I'm terrible at remembering the exact citations. I just get the context. It, they took three cohorts of sensory kits, none mild, severe, gave a resting HRV, um, and this was a chest strap, so they could have it on during activity. And they found, obviously, the severe sensory challenge kids had lower vagal nerve parasympathetic tone at rest. Makes sense. That would be the same thing as saying excessive sympathetic tone, right? And then they put them through the seven different sensory challenges, right? Not just olfactory and auditory, but movement, vestibular, you know, six and seven. And they kept that HRV monitor on them. So the kids with severe sensory challenges had lower vagal nerve activity starting out and then less responsiveness when they needed it. So that's the transitional challenges. That's the emotional challenges. That's the social challenges. It's in those interactions, moms out there listening, when your child needs to make a transition or needs to make a friend, they need the vagus nerve to be on, you know, to be activated and to be turned on to help that. The vagus porges work, right? We're here in Chicago with uh, the social emotional vagus. That changed everything for us. We always knew the vagus, we could help a kid, you know, activate the vagus with adjustment and colic and digestion and those things would get better. But we now know that the social emotional improvement we make has a lot to do with the fact that the vagus nerve hangs out, it's next door neighbors to the cerebellum you know, next door neighbors to the brainstem and not, and, and it's a sensory nerve. So a sensory nerve is more easily distorted and subluxated because it's got to report that information in. So yeah, HRV, I, I think for us, HRV is our window into the rest of the medical world. If I'm being honest, people look at thermal scan and they're like, huh? <laughs> is that, is that mean I can go into the grocery store? It's like, no, it's not that, <laughs> you know, it's, and it's, 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 so it's, it's that thermal and EMG are helpful, but they don't necessarily cross us into other important collaborations. I really feel like HRV. And then, yes, this is where we've been talking for years with Dr. Fletcher. The next thing for us is to really incorporate QEEG. And uh, bring it over, yeah. Track our changes in in that way too. I literally until today had no clue um, that it showed up for amygdala and cerebellar function. And yeah, no, we, no, it just came in. Yeah, it just came in, and I would even say in the last six months. So yeah, we've we've got it. Okay, bring one to the farm this weekend, please. I will right. do that. I'll bring it on the trailer. We can have a traveling uh, traveling show. <laughs> I am driving through in May, uh, Laura. Oh, is it May? Okay, good. Okay, Kenny and Pete, maybe we can have a a hoedown. The I'm coming to you next. I'm not, I'm going to Florida next week, uh, Skip. So I, I got you all covered. Smart. You know, so, so we're all providers here. We make our livings, people coming to see us and that's how it's set up and it's all good. We, you know, do what we do and do the best job we can and all that. The beauty of HRV and it keeps coming up, right? The more folks we talk to, Laura and Pete, they keep coming back to this practice that's been around for a long time. But what's fantastic about it is it tends to put the locus of control back to the individual, right? We go to see people because they got to help us, you know, I can't help myself. And I'm not saying people think that explicitly, but it's in there, right? It's set up, you got to go see a doc. And the HRV, like it puts it right back there, even for little guys, like you're talking, Tony, it's fantastic. Um, I'm learning how to do it, right? Like you can be in yourself, be present, have an awareness of how you're responding to something and do something about it. That's a big deal. I think that's where we're going. We can, we're, I think we're in that kind of like pivot. We're in that kind of like crux point, that purgatory point where some of this stuff is, it's in front of us. So we're not using it for good. So if we just stay through it and learn how to use it for good. We come out better on the other end. And I'm, I'm a rose colored. I've got three daughters. I would probably, I would have a unicorn farm. I mean, I could, you know, with you, I know I have that, but I'm also strategic. 
you know, and it's like, okay, well, if we're here and a better life for these kids and families and all of us would be there, how do we get it? You know, how do we leverage the care we have? How do we leverage the collaborations, the technology, the community? And then how do we get moms and dads on board? How do we make it fifth grade farmer simple that says, here's what you need to know. Here's how you use it and away you go. And there, this generation of parents, goodness is ready for that. You know, this isn't an anti-medicine conversation. It's not that. It's just, we've always been the last resort and this neurological focus. So you guys will love this. You have traditional, you have what I would call natural, which is nutrition and gut brain and probiotics and everything else. And then you have us, neurological. And, and what I find is parents have exhausted medical. Now today they've exhausted nutritional. They've got lavender puffing everywhere they go and, you know, and I love it. It's good. I've literally got my diffuser over there. It's what made me think of it, right? But even then they come to it and they're like, mm, well, he's a little better. She's a little better, but we're not all the way better. Well, there is a gut brain connection, but we just start with the brain and there's a brain gut connection too, you know? And so it's, it's just that hierarchy, that order. And I really think what's missing from these families. So I really, really applaud you guys for doing this podcast something I got to figure out and get done too, is the neuro conversation needs to lead it. We need to start there and work there first because you can actually prime the table. I mean, I've got kids left and right come in, they're on 70 million supplements spending a thousand dollars a month. And there isn't a single thing getting into that kid because they're in sympathetic dominance or the family, these poor moms, you get on your, you get on Facebook groups and it's like, I've got the key to your child. You need a foot bath, gluten-free, casein-free, paleo, red dye, and you're just like, eat perfect because we're all really good at that, right? And especially a three-year-old raging bull. And they, they're like, I, and then they feel like a bad parent because they're like, well, my child has these challenges and I'm supposed to make a perfect diet, but I gave him mac and cheese last night. And it's like, that's because your child's brain needs mac and cheese because it's maxed out let's calm it down and get it. So we are care. And I got to imagine you guys see the same thing in your clinics. We open everything else up to be so much easier to apply. OTs love us, PTs love us, speech and language therapists love us, um, nutritionists love us, because we take the sympathetic storm out of the way. Now everything else can come into play. Some people already know that I just got a new puppy, like brand new eight week old puppy. And I've had dogs before, but I've never, you know, raised one from, you know, so, so small. I'm, I'm astounded by the first thing you're supposed to train a puppy. What would you guys guess it is? If, you, if you've already done it, you already know, but you potty training. Yeah. And we're still working on that one. That's for sure. I, I had no idea. So I'm on YouTube trying to learn how to do all this stuff. Yeah. Do you keep them in the crate? Do you, yeah. How do you potty train them? How do you do this and that? How do you keep them from nipping all this? The first thing they, they train you, and I've watched a lot of trainers. I'm a YouTube geek. Uh, and, you know, if I want to learn something, I'm going to watch 20 different people do it. Um, but anyway, so the first thing that everyone agrees on is you, you train a puppy to focus. Oh. Like you, you, you do it on purpose. You have your treat and it's positive reinforcement and you train them to focus. And, and not just, you know, focus to their name, but look you in the eye. To, to, so they look you in the eye just by at random. They look you in the eye. You treat them. You you wave a hand off to the side and you call their name. They look you in the eye. The treatment. Everybody, every dog trainer knows that how you train a puppy you know, to first is to focus. And it, it's compelling to me, you know, being a psychologist for, you know, 300 years, you know, we have all these kids coming in for ADHD and we're, we're kind of missing the boat on how much control, swinging it back to what we're talking about. Uh, you know, how much control you actually do have and you can, you know, help 
help kids, you know, non-medication and, and, you know, the reward-based learning. And once you got focus and you got, you know, you're going to affect the, the development of the nervous system, then everything else can pile on top of that. But it, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. How many kids do, you know, everyone who comes to me is either ADHD or uh, autism in the referral question. And, you know, we kind of break it down in all these other things. You know, it's, it's interesting that we are not, we're training our puppies, but we're not training the parents to develop focus in the kids. So, you know, it's a longer conversation for another day, but uh, everything we're talking about today kind of made, just make, makes me think of that. That's a, one, of the, one of the challenging cases we have. If a kid is starting to plateau, a lot of times, it's just that parents vortex of stress that we have to help that parent. And, again, and that, that's, that's gotta be a yep. you know, majority of things, absolutely. Mentioned uh, it is not an insignificant thing. And we're talking about environment context. How do you manage parents stress, upset, all, all, all the reactions that have maybe been learned over time, right? That's that, not that this is necessarily what you're doing, but that's that's a family therapy. Yeah. That's a gigantic yeah. issue here, right? Yeah, we just cheat. We just adjust the mom and dad. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it takes 30 seconds. It's like, you know, every, every other chiropractor, this would be a good joke. To, you know, I was trained like, give, go do screening. You've all seen your chiropractors or a chiropractor screening at the fresh time and the gym and they got their spine. And it's like, have you had your spine check today? Like anybody walks around and is like, you know what I really need today? Get my spine check. Like no wonder we're only seeing 3% of the population, right? Probably package that up a little better. Um, and so we were trying to start with adults, standard insurance covered back pain, and then you like invite them to some Tuesday night workshop and tell them the miracle story and everybody's going to bring their kids and it's going to be great. I'm very impatient. I did that for like a month, Pete. And I was like, that is dumb. That does not work. <laughs> I'm not doing that. So I flipped it on its head. It's all kids first. But the joke is like, we, get, we start getting the kiddo unwound and they're getting adjusted and mom's sitting over there. And then it's like, hey, well, hey, Mr. Skip, you know, looks like your mom is a little worn out. You know, it's uh, Wednesday. She had yoga pants on today. And yes, I know I'm having fun. This is this is where we love. I'm that parent. Um, I'm like, what do you think if we get your mom scanned and adjusted? Do you think that would be good? And the kid's like, dude, I'll pay for it. Like, you know, and I'm having fun in my way because these parents have worn it on their sleep. There's no store. A child doesn't go to the perfect storm solo. Right. I mean, it, it, it is not that way. So I mean, I'm joking, but I'm serious. Adjusting these moms and dads is like my other favorite thing of practice because you just see the healing happen for them and they're the most important part of their child's environment. So now the child, you can help the kid without helping the, without touching the kid. You can help the parent without helping the, you know, and it's just, but you put the two together. So we do, we have a full family practice. Most of our patients start, we start from beginning birth mom. Our favorite thing is stop by on the way home from the hospital or, you know, and, and get them in. And it's usually a child in the storm we get some amazing results. The family has their stress. They have their things. We get them scanned. We get started. If you were to come hang at PwC, we see over a thousand patients a week and it is full families at all times getting adjusted all at once. And it's the health, the vibrancy, the adaptability that these families experience together. It's what we are committed to bring into the world. So yeah. So thank Let's you. Stop. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh man. What a show. Dr. Tony, could you recommend somebody else to bring on the show? Yeah, you know, I would say Dr. David Fletcher, for sure. Hey, Dr. Tony, what's the best way for our Chicagoland uh, listeners to find out more about your uh, practices? Yeah, you know, we're all over um, Facebook and Instagram because we're young and cool like that. Um, so yeah. PWC Chiropractic, there's kind of two C's in it because we care 
is intentionally in our name because we provide care, not just in a clinical sense, but in a human sense. Um, so pwcchiropractic.com, you just Google it or find us on Facebook and Instagram. And then I, if you really like to nerd out my Facebook page, Dr. Tony Ebel, E-B-E-L, um, I put a lot of content out on my Facebook page as well. You can get connected. And best way is to just shoot us a DM or uh, a message to the site. And also, if somebody's listening all over the place, our PX Doctors platform, our directory is almost live, but our team will find you some. If you're in Rhode Island, New Jersey, or, or, or Oregon, we've got trained docs using this technology and everything you learned here today, it's not just limited to Chicagoland anymore. So our team, you can still reach out through PwC or Dr. Tony, and then we'll connect you to one of our docs that way for now. Got it. We'll put the links on this podcast for you, Dr. Tony. Thank you. All right. What a great show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Dr. Laura can be found at Jansons.com, J-A-N-S-O-N-S.com. Dr. Skip can be found at drskiprin.com. It's drskiprin.com. Idea for a topic, please email me, Pete, at neuronoodle.com. And then please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the word out. Smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Docs, what a great show. Thanks, everybody. Cue the music. Cool.